Hey friends, thank you guys so much for joining in on another episode of Cast the Word. Today we're starting part one of a series I'm calling, What's Love Got to Do With It? Thank you all so much for joining in today as we start our new series titled, What's Love Got to Do With It? Today is part one. And before we get started, I just want to say for any new listeners and returning listeners, first off, thank you very much. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all of your support. Um, I greatly appreciate um, you guys taking the time out of your day to listen to to me just say a few words. It it really means a lot to me. Please remember also to subscribe or follow Cast the Word wherever you listen to podcasts. We're pretty much published everywhere now. Um, Whether you you come to us through Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, um, Podbean, wherever you are coming to listen to our show, please don't forget to subscribe. That would help me out a ton if you're um, willing to do that. Also, if you're interested in becoming a subscriber partner, please visit our new website at casttheword.com. You can scroll down to the bottom and there's a, a place where you can provide us your email address. Um, I promise in advance you're not going to be spammed. Your email is not going to be shared with anyone other than myself. This would help me greatly if you're able to do that or willing to do that. And by becoming a partner, what, what does that mean? So basically that means that you are going to be eligible to receive exclusive content. We're starting to just push that out today. And you'll also be immediately informed of new episodes. Um, You'll get an email notification. We're finding out that a lot of notifications are not being release when we publish new episodes. So that's why it's so important for you to subscribe. And also, um, if you're willing to give your email address, I can ensure that you will be informed of new episodes. Again, this would greatly help me. So I appreciate your time in advance. So with that out of the way, let's get started. So today I want to talk to you about what's love got to do with it. This is part one of a series. This is the title of the series. And before we even get started, let's just address the elephant in the room. Um, We can't have a, a series titled what's love got to do with it and not talk about Tina Turner, right? So let me just start off by saying, unfortunately, I think Tina Turner got it all wrong. Um, The lyrics to her song is actually asking the question in a rhetorical way that love really has nothing to do with a physical connection and that it is purely physical or carnal. So in her song, um, What's Love Got to Do With It? It's almost an anti-love song and that their relationship in the song has nothing to do with love, which Tina dismisses in her lyrics as a sweet old-fashioned notion. So instead of saying love has everything to do with it, the song actually is saying that love has nothing to do with it. For example, in the first verse of the song, The lyrics go, it's physical, only logical. You must try to ignore that it means more than that. What's love got to do with it? So in my opinion, this is totally backwards. And I'm asking the question in this series to really address what's love got to do with it? Well, what's love got to do with what? Well, what does love have to do with our lives? What does it have to do with our Christian walk? What does it have to do with our relationship with Christ? And in my opinion, it's totally backwards. The song, um, Tina Turner's song, love love should have everything to do with with it, especially in regards to our to physical relationships. And this kind of ties into the culture we live in today. So I, you know, I'm not trying to be controversial here. I'm not trying to stir up a bee's nest, but I just want to address what love really has to do with it, not simply based on my opinion, but based on what the Bible. Has has to say about it. It's almost as if today that word love has been substituted 
with the word lust or the word infatuation. No longer do we promote love, for example, in the way the book of Song of Solomon does in the Bible. In the book Song of Solomon, we read a love story between Solomon and the Shulamite woman, and the book describes the story of love from courtship to the wedding and to marriage. And throughout the story, we read in vivid detail Solomon describing his love for the Shulamite woman and vice versa. You know, some people in, in church may feel kind of uncomfortable reading this story, you know, especially with it being in the Bible, given that it truly is a love story. But we shouldn't avoid the book or be uncomfortable reading it. And to be clear, the book is not about lust, but it's about a literal love story. More so, it also paints a spiritual story of love between the church and Christ and the love Christ has for his bride, the church. So we know the Bible should be read and understood first from the physical, literal truth of the black or red words on paper, but it should also be interpreted and read from a spiritual understanding that everything in the Bible can be used for our Christian walk today, and that includes the Old Testament as well. So there are a few specific points I want to discuss today um, on the on the question, what's love got to do with it in the first part of this series? So number one, I think we should address what is love. Song of Solomon says in chapter one, verse two, it says, your love is better than wine because of the fragrance of your good ointments. Your name is ointment poured forth. The literal story describes how in love this couple really is. And the spiritual application, specifically in uh, chapter 1, verse 2, here is related to the name of Christ. His name is above every name, and His name is like ointment poured forth. We must understand the level of depth that our love for Christ should be in return because of His love for us. So I want to start off by reading 1 Corinthians 13 because it gives a great definition of what love really means. And I know we've all heard it at weddings. Uh, we've all heard it quoted you know, on TV shows or movies when we're watching weddings, but I'm going to read it again. I'm going to read it from the Passion Translation, though. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. Love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. Love does not brag about one's achievements nor inflate its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter, for it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as defeat, for it never gives up. Just a little bit more. Verse 8, love never stops loving. It extends beyond the gift of prophecy, which eventually fades away. It is more enduring than tongues, which will one day fall silent. Love remains long after words of knowledge are forgotten. Our present knowledge and our prophecies are but partial, but when love's perfection arrives, the partial will fade away. When I was a child, I spoke about childish matters, for I saw things like a child and reasoned like a child. But the day came when I matured and I set aside my childish ways. This is absolutely the truest definition of perfect love. What does love mean? Well, when we read this, it pretty much gives you the ins and outs of what love is. We use the word love today so loosely. The word is so overly used, and I'd even submit that it's also overly misunderstood. It's almost as if the word now has no meaning anymore or no magnitude anymore, or at least its oversaturation has diminished the true meaning. We say things now like, man, I love pizza. I love ice cream, or I love 
football, the list goes on and on. Maybe in the beginning of a romantic relationship, we may mistake our infatuation for someone as love. Maybe we don't. But maybe if we do, and looking back, we realize that that may not be true love, which is what I really want to focus in on today. The definition of love in the Bible is not described as something you like a lot or something you're attracted to. We're talking here about agape love, love to the highest form, unconditional love. If we want a hardcore example of what true love looks like, then we should look no further than John 3.16. Come on, we all know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That is true love. God died for us. That's love. John 15.13. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. Jeremiah 29.11. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Or Jeremiah 31 verse 3, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. Or Romans 8 28, and we know that all things work together for the good to them who love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. And then finally, Romans 8, 38 through 39. I'm just giving you a little glimpse here of some different angles of, of the types of love that are shown in the Bible. Romans 8.38, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God's love for us is never-ending. Isn't that encouraging? And if we ever have any question about what true love is, then we should look no further than the Word of God, who is Jesus, and what He accomplished when He died on the cross for our sins. That is love. So, Let's move on to point number two. Point number two, obedience shows love. Okay, obedience shows love. In Song of Solomon chapter 5, Solomon, which is a spiritual picture of Christ. Okay, remember we read first literal, then spiritual. Solomon here is a spiritual picture of Christ. He's knocking on the Shulamite woman's door, which is a picture of the church. Shulamite, the woman is the picture of the church. Solomon, a picture of Christ. Okay, in Song of Solomon chapter 5, in verse 2, the story is about Solomon knocking on the Shulamite woman's door for her to let him in. In verse 2, the Shulamite woman was slow to answer the door to Solomon. She was asleep, maybe barely awake. The message translation reads verse 2 saying, I was sound asleep, but in my dreams I was wide awake. Solomon stood at the door knocking for her to answer. Does this sound familiar? We hear this other in other parts of scripture. In Revelation, behold, I stand at the door and knock. The woman had many excuses. I'm in bed. Should I get dressed? I've already taken a bath. Should I get dirty? The longer he knocked, the more she woke. But eventually he left. Oftentimes our excuses can cause us to miss God as well. Does that mean we don't love God? No. But we can show our love to God through our obedience and through our faith walk with Him. How many times do we sit there and battle with ourselves before we open the door to God? How often do we wonder if what we think we hear is God and debate with ourselves, is this God or is it not? We should be quick to, dis quick to discern, quick to respond, quick to obey, and quick to answer. Don't hesitate when the Spirit is truly speaking to you because you don't know what you might miss if you are not obedient. We have to be obedient to God and show Him our love for Him by obeying Him. The Word says, Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. Obedience shows our love for Christ. We must keep His, his commandments to show that we love Him. Obedience is an outward sign of our love and honor towards God, and we must stay ready because we never know when he's going to knock. And when he knocks, we have to be quick to answer. In the passage we read, when the woman finally 
came to the door. Actually, I don't think we we really went into it in in too great a detail, but Song of Solomon chapter 5 is what I'm talking about. In that passage, when the woman did finally come to the door, shaking off herself and her laziness, she realized she waited too long because he was gone. Now, she did get up. She did go answer the door. But by the time she did that, it was too late. She missed the moment of his visitation. So I wonder how often we have missed God because of how slow we have been to respond. God wants a people that will stand up and say, Here I am, Lord. I stand ready. I stand waiting. I stand alert. And I stand for you. And we should be quick to obey and, and know what the Word says in regards to the commandments we should keep so that we can stay and act in a spirit of love towards Christ. The last point ties in with kind of with a second. Point three, we've got to rebirth or birth a passion for Christ in our hearts. If you already have a passion of Christ in your heart and it's the best it's ever been, then I encourage you to continue stirring up the gift, keep the fire stoked. But if you self-reflect and realize that you have been more on fire for God in the past, then maybe it's time to reevaluate what we can do to rebirth a passion for Christ in our hearts. So notice in chapter five, I encourage you to read through the whole book uh, let me just say that. But when we look, you know, dissect chapter 5, when Solomon stood knocking, notice that he didn't barge into the Shulamite woman. Verse 2 says that he called out and asked her to open the door. He knocked at the door. He touched the lock. The New King James Version says in verse 4 that he put his hand by the latch at the door. But he didn't barge in. And let me tell you, he never will. He wants you to invite him in today. He wants you to want him. He'll never force himself on you. He'll never force you to obey him. He'll never force you to love him. And he'll never force you to open the door to him. And he will never force you to stand in his commandments and obey him. So what does love have to do with this? Let's get back to our root question. What's love got to do with it? In a word, everything. God has shown us an abundant amount of love. So despite the Tina Turner song and what it's trying to convey, let's go about this in the opposite direction. What's love got to do with it? What's love got to do with our Christian walk, our our faith walk with Christ? It has everything to do with our faith walk with Christ. God has shown us an abundant amount of love. And what I want to ask you, what kind of love do we show Him? If the most you communicate with God is on Sunday morning church service, then I challenge you to objectively ask yourself the question of how deep your love for God really runs. If the most I talk to my wife is for a couple hours one day a week, do you think my marriage would survive? Do you think your marriage would survive? Do you think if we only hugged, kissed, and spoke to our kids a day a week for an hour, maybe two, that they would grow up thinking that their mommy and daddy really love them? It's no different with our relationship with Christ? Do we pray to Him the way we should? Do we communicate to Him the way we should? Psalms 92 says, It is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to His name, O Most High, to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night. We are called to have daily communion with God. First Chronicles 23 says, Stand every morning to thank and praise the Lord, and likewise at the evening. We should praise Him in the morning, praise Him in the noontime, and praise Him before we go to bed. Doesn't He deserve it? Right? I mean, the cherubim are circling around his throne day and night, never ending, declaring his holiness. Consider these things as as we go about our daily lives, that he deserves our praise. So think back on, on these things in the past. What has he delivered you from? 
Praise him for that. What has he healed you from? Praise him for that. What has he brought you from? Praise him for that. What has he done for you? Praise him for that. You may be thinking, well, I've never been healed. I've never had any miracles happen for me. I haven't been delivered from anything yet. And maybe that's true. Maybe a lot of us maybe haven't experienced a specific event that we can look back on to that level of magnitude. But let me challenge you to disagree with that concept. Think of it like this instead. Has he not saved you? Then praise him for that. Did he not die for you? Then praise him for that. Was his blood not shed for you? Praise him for that. Was he not resurrected, ascended upon high? Does he not sit at the right hand of the Father? Did he not send the comforter for you? Praise him for that. Has he not promised you that he is with us? Praise him for that. He deserves all of our praise. He deserves all of our worship. He deserves all of our love. God, I pray that you birth a passion in us once again for you. So friends, I hope you found some encouragement in this today. I'm really excited for this series. I hope you are as well. This is just part one. We have a few other parts to come, and we're going to dive into what's love got to do with it, many different angles, okay? So I really encourage you to check in um, in our next our next episode. We're really going to dive into this subject. We're really going to dissect it. I'm really excited about it. I hope you are as well. We're going to look at the topic of love from all different angles. And we're not just talking about an, an intimate standpoint, okay? We're talking about all kinds of love. So thank you guys so much for listening. It is really humbling for me, and I really appreciate all of your support. If you don't mind, please share with your friends and family. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to our podcasts. And again, if you're interested, um, just a reminder, you can visit our new website, casttheword.com. Scroll down to the bottom. You can enter in your email to become a subscriber partner. So that's it for today, guys. Thank you so much. I pray for you and your families are doing well right now. Stay strong in the faith, and I look forward to talking to you soon.